0: going on everybody i'm armand lee and thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode of the quarterly report as you can imagine we've got a lot to talk about this week and i'm super excited because we've got a guest who pulls no punches i've known him for a while he's going to be a first timer this week brad jackson super bowl champion for the baltimore ravens brad is going to stop by he's going to give us his unique perspective on all things sports and I'm, uh, I'm assuming we're gonna talk about the NFL and Donald Trump protest as well. All that plus my personal opinion on the Carmelo Anthony trade. I know y'all wanna hear that as well. All that and so much more. But first, the number one story this week. First quarter. We have all heard the phrase, take the L, right? Take the L. If you don't know what that means, that means essentially take the loss. Everybody in life, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you make, where you're from, we all have good days, bad days, good moments, bad moments, right? We all sometimes just have to take the loss, right? Just take the L, don't fight it, because you're only gonna make it worse. But the NFL, they're now in a position where they have to take the win. It may not be, you know, Mortal Kombat style, flawless victory, you know what I mean? It may not be game six, Bulls at Jazz, Jordan, game winner, right? Right? Take the ugly, you know, 79-77 win. Because that's what they're looking at right now as it pertains to these protests that, you know, hit a tipping point this past week. Now, what do I mean by that, right? What do I mean when I say take the win? The NFL makes entirely too much money. Despite what people say about the, the ratings fall of the NFL and all this other stuff, the NFL is by far the most popular, the most viewed product in our country, right? Despite whatever ratings decrease they may have. The NFL makes money hand over fist. It's, it's hard to properly uh, identify and to speak, to properly communicate how much money the NFL actually makes and how much more money they make in relation to any other sport, right? So it's hard to say the NFL has to take an L on this issue because ultimately, They're still making money. They may not be making as much money as they made last year, but even with that being said, they're making more money than damn near every other corporation, any other entity in our society. So it's hard to say, NFL, take this L real quick, but they need to take this win. It's not a pretty win, but it's a win, right? Take the W because this protest, right? That just so happens to happen, While the National Anthem is going on, like we're we're being really reckless when people say it's the National Anthem protest. No, it's not a protest of the National Anthem. It's a protest of oppression. It's a protest of police brutality. It's a protest of inequality, okay? And Colin Kaepernick, mind you, the guy who is, I mean, listen to how bizarre this is. Listen to how ridiculous this is. Colin Kaepernick is not in the league. And the excuse that all the, you know, Colin Kaepernick critics finally rested on, right? Because at first it was, oh, he wants too much money. Then it was, he wants to be a starter. And we found out that neither of those were true. And then it was, you know, he's not good enough, You need a system. And then the first three weeks of this football season has shown you that Colin Kaepernick is better than not just several starters. He's better than almost all of the backups as well. So that wasn't true. So what are they? Then all the critics finally rested on hey, you know what? He'd be a distraction. So how funny is it? Ironic even, right? That off, after the concerns of Colin Kaepernick being a distraction after Colin Kaepernick says he would not even take a knee anymore. You've got damn near a quarter of the league either taking a knee or not even coming out on the field for the national anthem this past week, right? How crazy is that? But what I mean when I say the NFL needs to just go ahead, take this ugly win. This protest that they're in the middle of, the NFL has a lot of problems on their hands, right? They're fighting wars on, a, on several different fronts. One being domestic violence, one being CTE, others being, you know, just the play in the game and more options that we as view as the viewing public have, technology, and now, in addition to all that, you've got this protest. Now, I have no sympathy for the NFL as it pertains to domestic violence. Like, that's, they made that mess. They gotta, they gotta clean it. That's the bed they they made. You gotta lay in it now, right? Decades. And, and, and the way we view domestic violence as it pertains to the NFL is like, just once Ray Rice happened. But I remember being a kid And seeing guys get, you know, accused and convicted of domestic violence and getting a slap on the wrist from the league. That's why the Ray Rice initial suspension was just, what, two games? Because they were so used to, okay, he just got a domestic violence charge. All right, give him a game suspension, and it'll be all right. Like, Ray Rice didn't just set it off. Ray Rice just was like the highlighter of that. This is decades in the making of the NFL and how reckless they've been when it comes to domestic violence. So they got no sympathy from me from there, none, none whatsoever. Likewise with CTE, no sympathy is given to the NFL because of that, because they knew this was going on. They were disingenuous. They, they were deceitful with their own players about just how dangerous this league was. Again, growing up, how many times did you see a quarterback or a player get a concussion? And the thing was, hey, like, man, just get him some smelly salt and he'll be out there. These guys are playing with concussions, not even knowing or not even telling what's worse, not even telling their players how dangerous concussions really are. So they get no sympathy for that. But with this NFL, with this protest, I don't know if I say I feel sorry for the NFL, but they're in a situation that they, they, they couldn't. This isn't anything that they could have avoided, right? Roger Goodell, I don't blame Roger Goodell because Colin Kaepernick isn't in the league. You know who I blame? All those owners who were linking arms on Sunday. All those owners who wrote all these letters. All these GMs and presidents of football operations who wrote all these letters about unity and community service and all that. All those guys on Sunday. They're the ones who don't want to hire Colin Kaepernick. Not Roger Cadell. And that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the protest. Listen to this. The NFL have found themselves in the unique position where every side is upset with them, right? The NFL has a wire, and it's lit on both ends, okay? On one hand, you have the president calling for boycotts, calling for players to be fired, and calling for fans to turn off and boycott the product if— players continue to kneel. On the other hand, you have players or fans, excuse me, calling of a boycott themselves, right? There's a, there, it may not be covered on the mainstream as much, but trust me, the NFL boycott from the fan side is as real, if not a bigger threat than the other side, because you've got a lot of fans who are upset at how Colin Kaepernick was treated. The fact that he's not in the league. You understand? So the NFL has somehow managed to mess this up in a way or find themselves in a position where two ends of a spectrum are upset and calling for boycotts. And that's not Roger Goodell's fault. That's the fault of the owners who want to take cover and pretend like they're all for unity and community service and outreach, Lincoln Arms this past Sunday. And we all know that's a load of BS, right? We all know that. So what do I mean when I say, again, take the win, take the ugly win, right? Take the 13 to 10 win and get out of Dodge. You know what I mean when I say that? This past weekend, again, we saw protests near and far. We saw protests in London. We saw protests on Sunday Night Football, you know, all day, the early games, late games, the whole nine, we saw teams not even come out. And in that moment, in that moment, between the Seahawks and the Titans, when neither team made it to the field for the national anthem, it hit me. And this isn't a revolutionary thought because I'm sure others have thought and articulated this thought several times. Just get the national. Don't, don't have the players on the field for the national anthem. It's, that simple. And I, I think about it. It only started what in 2009? Th- all the Patriots, the quote unquote Patriots, everybody, not the team, like the people and the fans were like, oh, man, you got to stand up for the, the flag. How patriotic is it that the NFL charges, right, our, our military, our servicemen and women, they charge them money to participate in this, this ceremony of patriotism. Right, The NFL is, writing, is, is charging our military to participate in these displays of patriotism. How, how unpatriotic is that? You understand what I'm saying? And again, before 2009, the teams didn't come out on the field. So just go back to that because they are now in a position where they can't win. No matter what happens, players take a knee, there are going to be people who are upset. Players don't take a knee. They're going to be people who are upset. Owners write letters. Go lock arms. We all know that's fraud, fraudulent. But we all know that that's a crock of BS. You're not, they can't win. So you know what? Take the easy win. Take the easy victory. Just say, you know what, guys? Tennessee and Seattle had it right. We won't have players on the field for the national anthem. Case closed. Wipe your hands with it. Cause this, let's let's look at the week that was in the NFL. Thursday night football. Everybody, despite all the critics, despite all the negative press, despite two bad teams this past Thursday night football, right? Rams 49ers. Exactly one week ago. Everybody was was surprised. You know, th- remember how everyone was raving about the game? Oh my God, this was such an amazing game. It was such a fun game. This may be the greatest. Thursday night football game of all time. Remember that? How long did that praise last? Because right before Thursday night football, the report of Aaron Hernandez having stage three CTE came out. So the the news cycle had ended, but that Friday, it couldn't be completely devoted to just celebrating how great of a game the Rams and 49ers played on Thursday night football. You had to separate some of that time to talk about Aaron Hernandez. Again, he stopped playing football at 24, right? He had stage three CTE. So now it's not just about the NFL. Now you got to start questioning college and high school football because for him to get stage three CTE at that short a time, I think he only played three years in the NFL, raises questions, right? Questions that the NFL doesn't want to talk about. Now, not to mention Jerry Jones, the most powerful owner, one of the most influential owners, one of the most popular owners, is still engaged in a war with the commissioner Roger Goodell over domestic violence, right? That's still going on. And then Friday night, the president of the United States calls the players who protest sons of bitches. The president of the United States is telling private employers to fire their employees if they exhibit or express their constitutional right to peaceful protest. All of this is happening and then overshadows the great games on Thursday and overshadows the great games on Sunday. The NFL, again, they're fighting wars on all fronts. This, this protest, this is too big for them. They need to let this go. And they need to let this go immediately because what happens next weekend? Lord only knows. Lord only knows. And for the people who, who loved what Kaepernick did, the people who rode and really feel for Kaepernick, the people who appreciated what Colin Kaepernick did and the sacrifice, the legit sacrifice he made, taking a knee has been hijacked. Taking a knee was supposed to be about the the voiceless, the people in this country who suffer, the people in this country who do suffer from oppression and police brutality, the people who are facing inequalities, not just in relationships with the police. We're talking about environmental racism, right? Flip Michigan, they still don't have water, right? Think about that, still. So all these things that Colin Kaepernick was trying to address, it's been hijacked. The protest on Sunday that wasn't about oppression. That wasn't about inequality. That was about Donald Trump. Right? This the whole the whole movement, the whole the whole importance of what Colin Kaepernick was trying to do has been diluted now. You got to ask yourself why were all the guys taking a knee this past Sunday who didn't take a knee the previous Sunday? Colin Kaepernick it's been 14 months essentially since he made his Uh, he he took his stand, right? He made his um, intentions known about his protest. 14 months, and now all of a sudden, guys want to take a knee? They weren't all, some of the guys genuinely were taking a knee because that's how they feel about the protest. There's been guys who've done it consistently for a year. But the the vast majority of those players weren't taking a knee because of the initial protest. No, 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 no. Now we've lost that. It's been hijacked. Now it's all about Trump. And there's no controversy in, in, in protesting Donald Trump. Late night comedians, daytime comedians, talk show hosts, rappers, singers, country music artists, movie, movie stars. Everybody, right? Everybody talks down on Donald Trump now. I mean, not everybody, but look at his polling numbers. He's not popular historically speaking he's one of the I think he's the least popular president at this point of his presidency so there's no sacrifice there's no you know controversy there's no political stance being made in fact actually not only is there no controversy now it's become politicized because now it's just about Trump and not about the issues we've been distracted we we as a society we get distracted very easily you know what I mean Colin Kaepernick was quite clear, quite concise, quite poignant about his protest. Now, it's all about one man. We've lost that. People who supported Colin Kaepernick, like myself, like myself, we've lost that. Because now it's about something completely different. Now the voiceless, they've been able to been taken advantage of right now, because now no one's still fighting for them. And again, the people who control whether Colin Kaepernick gets a job or not are the same guys who want to trot out there like they're part of the solution, linked arm in arm with their players, writing letters about community service and unity. They don't care. They care about their bottom line. And once it came that Donald Trump was waging war on the NFL, they knew that they had to do something. But they don't care about police brutality. They don't care about inequality because they would have done something before then and they wouldn't be hiring dad Lewis, right. And Dan or, ahead of Colin Kaepernick. They wouldn't let Colin Kaepernick's protest deter them from hiring them. So the NFL, this whole protest thing is done. They've lost, they've lost control. So the easiest way, the best way, the simplest way, sometimes we overthink things, man. Right. Because, We like to overcomplicate things. We think that the solution to some complicated matters has to be this long, drawn-out, complex, you know, layered answer. When in reality, the answer is right in front of us. Seattle and Tennessee showed us the way to end the controversy surrounding these protests that that occurred during the national anthem is keep the players off the field until the anthem is played, it's not that drastic of a of an action because we were doing it before 2009. Simple. Another thing that's simple is letting me know what you guys like and don't like about the show. So please feel free to let me know on iTunes. All you got to do is subscribe to the show. It's called the Quarterly Report. Quarterly spelled Q U A R T E R L E E. You'll see the icon as a man's face, my own, my beautiful face, on a coin. Click it, subscribe to it, and while you're at it, rate and review the show. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Let me know if you agree that the NFL should just keep teams in, you know, off the field before the national anthem and let them come on the field after the anthem like they did before 2009. Or if you disagree and you think that's a coward move, let me know that as well. All right, guys, that's the first quarter. Now it's time to introduce someone I'm super excited about bringing onto the show because he'll pull no punches. Former Super Bowl champion, Baltimore Ravens player, Cincinnati Bearcat alumni, Brad Jackson. Second quarter. He's a former linebacker for the 2000 Super Bowl champion, Baltimore Ravens. He's a member of the University of Cincinnati Bearcats Hall of Fame. He's also my guy one man who never pulls his punches or bites his tongue my guy brad jackson brad what's going on and thank you for joining me this week on the quarterly report
1: what's up a lee i appreciate you having me hey i I see it all the quarterly report and i was (laughs) like man you ain't even you ain't even sent me an invitation i'm standing outside like a broke joke at the club waiting to get behind the rope with you hey
0: uh, (laughs) yeah man look i've Hey, I'm just happy that you're on the show this week. You're like the most famous person that's ever been on the show. So, you know, you know man, whenever you want to come on, let me know. <laughs> Talk.
1: <There you go. laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, man, so let's get to it. It's been a wild week in the NFL. And in my first quarter, I already talked, you know, I'm done. Like, I feel like the the national anthem, the protest that goes on during the national anthem for uh, police brutality, inequality, like it jumped the shark this week. We got Jerry Jones taking a knee. You know, people have completely lost the message. We lost that. And I'm, I'm, I'm like done with it. I'm tired with it. Um, but I feel like the NFL, and we're, we're a society that gets distracted easily. So everybody's running at the, 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 the kneeling, right, and the linked arms and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, the NFL, they're fighting wars on so many different fronts. Maybe the biggest war that the sport is actually engaged in is CTE. And I know you are familiar with it, um, the Aaron Hernandez uh, case. Literally, the day before President Trump makes his comments, the whole world is talking about Aaron Hernandez having stage three CTE, and now no one's talking about it, we're distracted. So as someone who played as a linebacker on one of the greatest defenses of all time, a physical defense, I'm asking you, someone who has made a great living for you and your family, because of the game of football do you also feel i don't know maybe convicted i don't know if you feel scared uh worried about cte because we all know now it's facts the nfl lied to players for decades yourself included how do you feel about this war on football when it comes to cte and i guess how fearful are you about what it could potentially lie for you and your peers,
1: yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. You know, Armand, it's one of those things that when, when you're 42 years old, as I am, and, and I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there's about 22, 23 of my Super Bowl teammates came in town, and you know, we're sitting up here, Tony Therigusa, and you know, Chris McAllister, and we're also the Dallas Thomas, and, and so on and so forth, and we're sitting up here, you know, guys are asking questions like, "Hey, do, do you do this? Do you have this symptom? Do you forget?" And it's like, yeah. And then once the Aaron Hernandez situation comes out, and not excusing anything what that idiot did, but now right. you wonder. You you sit here and you wonder, you know, what is really going on in the minds of these men? And you know, the the one they all hurt. They they all whenever you see these these gladiators uh, of sport, you know, the biggest, strongest men that you looked up to, and you know, the one that has still stuck with me the most because. You know, I was fortunate enough to know him and kind of talk to him. And was Junior stay out? I mean, he had everything. He right. played in his hometown. He had restaurants. He, you know, there wasn't any financial troubles. He had a great family. You know, his kids were all around it. And to wake up one day and decide that I'm going to end it all and leave a note because whatever was going on inside of his brain, and as a linebacker myself, you know, it's one of those things that, and I know Junior played seventeen, eighteen, twenty years, whatever it was. And you know, I had my six, and five years on the field, my six, you know, because I had herniated my disc in my back, that I was forced to retire. There is that sense of holy cow. What if Aaron Hernandez didn't show nothing other than being an idiot, and you know, obviously committed, you know, he, uh, heinous crimes. Right. But it's like okay, other guys are doing some things. And when you look around at some of these players that are getting in trouble, they may be former players, and people just see it as, oh, they they got in a fight or they was waving a gun. It's like, wait a minute. is something going exactly. on in there that we don't know about. So talking to other former players, current players, it's just different. And the league is still full of crap. There is, you know, <laughs> I mean, they are. You know, it, you got, you do have the concerns because there are certain times throughout a day where I will for, completely forget what I'm doing. I have went to Target and completely forgot why I'm there. I've wow. walked downstairs in my own house and walked around and have to go back upstairs because I left my phones upstairs or I ain't got no shoes on. You know, right. and it, so those are the things that you kind of, you know, like hold up, there's something going on. So it, it is very scary but to me, I think the NFL, to be honest, is happy that you got all these distractions. Exactly. These you know, these, you know, so called wanna be activists that decide they wanna they ain't protesting what actually started the Neil with Kaepernick, which was right. police brutality, you know, police injustice, inequality, you know, nothing being done when police were you know, shooting black people and shooting white people. Like none of these guys now this past week were kneeling because President Trump said something that they didn't like and now they're acting like, oh my gosh, we're gonna kneel because we're being a defiant teenage child to the big white guy. You know what right. I'm saying? Like right. we don't like him, we didn't vote for him, so we just wanna we just wanna be defiant because you told us if we kneel that we should be, you know, not on the team, which is let me remind these idiots out there, this is the same thing that Jerry Jones said before week one. This is the same thing Kansas City Chief Owner Clark Hunt said to his organization. It's the same thing that the mayor said with the New York Giants. So right. nothing that they said was any different or the feeling was any different than what a lot of people in the country feel. It's just that Trump not having a filter and not being some silver-tongued politician that we've known to be around and in our, our offices locally, statewide, and nationally. He just said what the other owners had said just without you calling to do the SOB. But I guarantee you Jerry Joes and some of these owners, they may have used or may not have, I'm not going to put words in them out, but I guarantee you privately there have been some similar type of words being used about these dudes that think they they go on you know mess up the money train and all that. But at the end of the day, I think personally the league is kind of like happy that all this other stuff is going on because it distracts the people, you know, and it distracts from the real issues of y'all got a problem with CT? You lied to players for decades. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I I, I got a headache. They take you in the tunnel. You ain't doing nothing in the tunnel. I, yeah. I know I'm I'm at gays. I'm, I'm right. on the field, I'm on the sidelines. They take you to the tunnel. Oh, uh, you good? And instead of giving you the smelling salts and the ammonia pack on the sideline for everyone to see, you're doing right. it underneath the tunnel to wake you right. up. <laughs> so I think, I, you know, I think it is a big war, and I think the NFL is trying to, like they did a couple of years ago when the whole concussion thing came out, and you know the commissioner wasn't going to talk about it and work the same BS line that those idiots in New York have to say and it's
0: all of them once again i'm joined by my guy brad jackson make sure you follow him on twitter he's at mr b jack 50 uh he's got a lot of stuff on his timeline man whether you agree with it or not he always gives you 100 percent what he feels so definitely check him out but the guy knows his football definitely and he knows the ravens so brad uh this past week you know a lot of the attention off the field was with the protest what we just talked about but on the field i don't know of any team played worse than the Baltimore Ravens. And that's kind of where I want to focus in now. Um, I don't believe in coincidence. Joe Flacco wins the Super Bowl and give him credit. You know, he was the the quarterback of the Super Bowl winning team. And in this day and age, we give all the credit to the quarterback. And he got his money. He got big time money. But since he got paid, the Ravens haven't been the same, right? I believe they went to the playoffs once since 2012 and haven't been to the playoffs in the last couple of seasons. Um, As that being a reference point, with that, excuse me, being a reference point, are you surprised that right outside, just a few miles south, outside of D.C., you have Washington uh, potentially or on the verge or at least contemplating giving Kirk Cousins close to $30 million, and Detroit, making Matthew Stafford the highest-paid quarterback or player in the league. Are you surprised, as someone in the know, in the middle of the NFL, that more teams haven't looked at Baltimore as the blueprint on how not to pay good quarterbacks but not pay good quarterbacks' elite quarterback money?
1: Yeah, I, it, it people with Redskins fans, they should actually be happy that, for one, Daniel Snyder is not just giving money away to a player that's at the end of the line, a player that hasn't really, you know, done it. We there's a long list of players. I mean, Jason Taylor said it on his <laughs> Hall of Fame speech, which is embarrassing if you're a Redskins fan and Dan Snyder that thank you for letting me steal. You know, yeah. D I was coming in here with nine toes and they paid him <laughs> a bunch of money, you know and, you know, Dana Stubblefield. Like, he, all these guys that you can go back and go down the list and say that they paid to come in and gave him a bunch of money. You know, I was just at FedEx Field watching the Raiders and my former coach, uh, Jack Del Rio, and I took my son down there Sunday night. I mean, maybe he's saving some of that money to get the Redskins fans a new stadium because that place is a dump. <laughs> I walked around the concourse, the club levels, to the bowels of the stadium, and I was like, this is – I mean, this is terrible. I mean, so, you know, but all seriousness, you know, what's wrong with making a guy prove it? Yes, Kirk Cousins has thrown up a bunch of fantasy numbers. He He's he's a good quarterback. But what has he really won? The league is about winning. Quarterbacks are judged by winning, winning championships. That's what ultimately, when they talk about it, did he win a championship? Now, We've also seen Kirk Cousins throw have big games, but the Reds can still lose. So there's nothing wrong, and I think that if more teams took this due diligence and said, okay, we'll franchise you once or twice, that would be a precedent because when you look at the Ravens, Joe Flacco, we the Ravens been to the playoffs once since 2012. Joe Flacco has been to the middle, if not the bottom, of, of statistical categories and nobody in this league thinks that Joe Flacco, if the offense is struggling, that Joe right. Flacco is going to put this team on his shoulders. And if the defense is struggling and they can't run the football, and Joe Flacco is going to throw for 360, 360 and five touchdowns. Nobody right. believes that. And there are those guys. There's the Rodgers. There's the Breeze. We all know that Tom Terrific can do it because he did it down 28-3 to 3 in the biggest game of the right. year and, and brought a team back and was nearly perfect. So, But he's making more money than those guys. And yeah. now Matthew Stafford, who is a great fantasy quarterback, he's going to get you all your fantasy points, ladies and gentlemen. But Matthew Stafford, at some point in time, and coaches, and I'm talking as a former player and a guy that has been with some of the greatest even coaches, we always say at some point in time, he will make that mistake.
0: Once again, everybody, I'm joined by my guy, Brad Jackson. He was a linebacker for the 2000 Super Bowl winning Baltimore Ravens. Also, University of Cincinnati, member of their Hall of Fame. Um, Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at MrBJack50. Uh, He's got a lot of stuff uh, on his timeline, ranging for a lot of different um, topics. But make sure you check it out because no matter what, whether you agree or disagree, you can't say that he doesn't give you his 100% true feeling. So in a world full of fakes, at least you know B-Jax is genuine from his perspective. All right, so B-Jax, we talk football for a lot, but you know me, I'm a hoop head. I got to get you out of here with one basketball question. Uh, the majority of our interactions has to do with you making fun of me being a Knicks fan. And for the last few years, it was fun because as bad as my Knicks were, your Lakers were equally bad. But now... Magic is running the show, you guys drafted Lonzo Ball, you know what I mean? Brandon Ingram is entering his second season, and there seems to be a lot of promise in Los Angeles because you guys are suited up next offseason as well. So let me know what you're thinking. Lavar is calling for 50 wins, I don't know about all that, but as a fan, lifelong Lakers fan, what are your expectations headed into the season?
1: Well, I think that's what magic, and no pun intended, has literally put the magic back in L.A. by right. him coming back and joining the the organization because there's hope. I think it's exciting. I think they're still a year or two away. I agree with you. I'm excited about Lonzo. Uh, I was happy that, you know, the Lakers got a chance to get him. Uh, I hope Ingram got some creatine and got some protein shakes. <laughs> you know, like, that joke gets so skinny. It's like, you know, it, I I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, but I'm just hopeful. Yeah, I, and and all you want him to do is Lonzo and those young guys to get better, and I think he'll make the team better. But, you know, I'm just one of – you know, I'm a big gambler. So Uh-oh.
0: Here we go. What is one it? One
1: whole dollar that the Lakers – Finish better than the
0: Knicks. One whole dollar. That, that's big oh, money right there now. Oh, slim man. <laughs> I pay you that dollar right now, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, but that's my guy, Brad Jackson, former linebacker for the two thousand Super Bowl winning Baltimore Ravens. Uh make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Mr fifty. Brad, thank you so much. For joining me this week on the quarterly report appreciate
1: it and uh everyone out there please make sure to find the time to donate to uh our neighbors and out in puerto rico puerto rico is close to my heart uh my daughter plays for the puerto rican junior women's national team and it's a great country And we need to everybody needs to do their part to help a rebuild puerto rico uh country without power without electricity without running water right now so and food so if you can find the time on my timeline, there's places to donate through Carlos Beltran, uh, Kiki Hernandez of the Dodgers, JJ Berea, the NBA. So just, you know, people spend the time and uh go donate something uh to help those in Puerto Rico that are in need right now. We greatly appreciate it.
0: No doubt, Brad. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, man. Thank you again for joining the show and uh highlight you later on, man. Thanks, Ailey. I appreciate it. All right, the first half is in the books, but before we get to halftime, Just want to remind you guys, you can get in contact with the show. All you got to do is email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show. We're at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Tweet at me. Let me know your thoughts, what your opinions are, anything that you agree with or disagree with. And make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. All you have to do is go to iTunes for the podcast section, search quarterly report again it's q-u-a-r-t-e-r-l-e-e you'll see the show click on the icon subscribe and please rate and review the show let me know your thoughts what you like what you don't like even whatever you want to let me know please feel free get involved interact with your boy all right guys so halftime is here and like i said earlier the protest during the national anthem Went, came to a head, right? It was all over the place. Sports Illustrated's got a cover of it. It was on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, the whole nine. Everybody's talking about these protests. But the only thing that could have made these protests from the NFL an even bigger story is one man. And if you've been following sports at all in 2017, you know exactly who this big baller is. This is Bar Ball, and if you're tired of people not standing for Old Glory, it's time to tell your old flag to stay in its lane. That's right, you need the American flag with them triple Bs, the big baller brand American flag. My flag is better than all those NFL flags. In fact, my flag can beat your old flag, Michael Jordan's flag, and the President's flag one-on-one. I'm undefeated, never lost. So order your big ball of brand American flag now for just three small payments of eight hundred and ninety five dollars. Order now. (laughs) So a few things. First off, clearly, my LeVar Ball impersonation needs a lot of work. But number two, I mean, that's basically where we're at when it comes to these protests. You know what I mean? The kneeling protest. Think about it like this. In a matter of days, we have seen Ray Lewis take not one, but two knees overseas and then come back to America saying how he wasn't taking a knee to protest. He was taking a knee to pray. We had a fire chief in Pittsburgh call Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin a racial slur. We had Jerry Jones of all owners, Jerry Jones take a knee. Then Lou Holtz went on national television, a news network, talking about how he was profiled because he got a ticket, and then to top it all off, right? The perfect cherry on top. Steven Seagal, yes, action figure from the 90s. Steven Seagal gets on television, who now is a Russian citizen, you know, talking about how disappointed he was in the NFL players who took a knee. All of that happened in a span of days. That sounds like something that The Onion would write. You know what I'm saying? Or like straight out of like Idiocracy or like Family Guy. That all happened. Think about this: last year, when Colin Kaepernick first started doing his protest, what 14 months ago? If I were to tell you last year that 14 months later, all of those things that I just named would happen, but not happen over the course of the year. Happened over the course of a few days. Nobody will believe it. And oh, by the way, Colin Kaepernick still does not have a job. <laughs> like the whole thing is crazy now. All of it. All of this is nuts. So you know what? Yeah, LeVar, Triple B's, Big Baller brand. Go ahead and make your money. You know what I'm saying? Because that's all that's left at it now. You understand? Once I saw Jerry Jones take a knee, I was like, all right, man. You know, everybody go ahead and get at it. So look, that's the, that's all that's left. LeVar and the big baller brand make their own American flags. In fact, I'm actually kind of surprised that they haven't done it thus far. All right, so let's have time. The first half I thought was pretty strong, but you know what? We can always improve. So that's what we're going to try to do for the second half, starting with this third quarter, is we're going to transition away from football and politics and what have you, but to basketball. The NBA had a wild weekend itself, starting with my favorite team, and I guess you would say their best player over the last 10 years. Carmelo Anthony is traded to Oklahoma City. That's our third topic this week. Third quarter. It's an end of an era, or better yet, error, in New York City. This past week, Carmelo Anthony was traded from the New York Knicks to the Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second-round pick as you all know, I'm a a huge Nick fan and you know, it's a complicated to talk about Carmelo Anthony's tenure in New York. It's really complex. You know what I mean? Because I was talking to a Nick fan of mine, uh, or a friend of mine, excuse me. And he's a younger guy. And he was saying how, you know, despite all the, I can't even really say ups and downs because we really only had one good year. <laughs> When Carmelo was here But despite the up and downs This guy was saying You know at the barbershop He's like yo In my lifetime And again he's a younger dude You know what I'm saying So he's in like I'm assuming his mid-twenties He's like Of of his recent memory You know what I mean Because He wasn't alive Or he wasn't I shouldn't say alive But he wasn't He doesn't remember The Ewing, Oakley, Starks, McDaniel You know what I mean Teams, and He probably barely remembers Allen Houston and Spreewell. So of his life, Carmelo Anthony is like the most significant Nick And I felt, I was like, damn, man. Number one, I felt old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because not only do I remember Melo and Tyson Chandler and Amari Stoudemire, I remember, you know what I mean? Like I said, Ewing, X-Men, the whole nine. So number one, I felt old, but number two, it was like, damn, I felt sorry for him because this mellow is the best that he's ever seen. Think about that. But, you know. To, to fully understand the Carmelo Anthony, you know what I mean, time in New York City, you got to un- remember how it starts. You know, New York had cap space while Melo was still in Denver. And Melo told Denver he wasn't going to resign. New York had a young Danilo Gallinari, had a young Wilson Chandler, had all their picks, had a young Timothy Mosgoff. And they traded all of them. Not just one. They traded all three of them. All three of whom are still in the league now, like eight years later. Two of whom who are really productive NBA players in Wilson and Gallo. You know? So while it's not Carmelo Anthony's fault, you know what I mean? Like, so, so as a fan, you know, fan, obviously short for fanatic. I have to take a step back sometimes, especially when it comes to the Knicks. Cause like I told you guys, that's the only team, whether it's professional or college or of any sport that I love, it's the Knicks. And it, it's not even a love hate relationship. I guess it is. I love them. They hate me, but I have to take a step back because initially like the default is just a be mad at Carmelo right he forced the trade when he didn't have to you he, he depleted the team of talent of young talent tradable talent and draft picks and we've just been stuck with him as the centerpiece ever since but it's not Carmelo Anthony's fault that we traded for him when we could have just signed him as a free agent it's not Carmelo Anthony's fault that James Dolan thought that he was a peer of LeBron James when it was clear to anyone who watches basketball, LeBron James, since you could, you, okay. Their, their rookie year, there were peers since then. LeBron James has always been significantly better than Carmelo Anthony. You understand? So it's not Melo's fault. Like if, so, if, if the New York Knicks want to pay me tens of millions of dollars to play basketball, what I'm going to say, no. I'm not better than the worst player on their D-League roster. Imagine, imagine your favorite basketball team right now calls you up and was like, hey, we're willing to pay you X amount of million dollars. The onus isn't on you to say, no, I'm not worth it, right? GMs, they make millions of dollars too. And when the owner like pulls the trump card on his president, his basketball president, his general manager, and nothing he can do. And that's what happened in New York. So I can't blame Carmelo Anthony, you know what I mean, for, for anything really. Even when it came to his, him, him re-signing in New York. Phil Jackson was the dude who gave him the contract. Phil Jackson gave him three options. When it was clear, the only thing that should have done was New York trading Carmelo to Chicago. Because Chicago may have been willing to give up Jimmy Butler. Because Jimmy Butler back then wasn't what Jimmy Butler is now. So I I mean, I could get mad at Carmelo, but the fault doesn't lie with him. You know, it's dumb management. (laughs) All that being said, Carmelo Anthony, yeah. (laughs) I'm being dead ass serious. I can't stand his ass. You know, I'm being all, you know, take a step back, not being fanatic. Nah, man, I can't stand Carmelo Anthony because, yeah, I know it's not his fault that the Knicks offered him this crazy contract. I know it's not his fault that we traded for him as opposed to just having him sign as a free agent. But you know what is his fault? Holding the ball for 16 seconds of the 24-second shot clock every time down the floor, letting defenses set up. You know what is his fault? As soon as he gets back from his injury when the Knicks were gelling... With during Lynn's sanity, what did he do? He vetoed, vetoed the plays. It was to a point where, and look, I don't like Mike D'Antoni. But look look at what D'Antoni's doing now. He had success before Carmelo, and he's having success after Carmelo. Right? Carmelo hasn't had success since Mike D'Antoni left. So I can blame him for that. You know what else I can blame him for? Carmelo Anthony I mean just look at him you see the new pictures in Oklahoma City right you see him standing beside Russell Westbrook who who looks like a chiseled specimen and he's standing next to Paul George who also looks like he's completely committed to physical fitness and then you got old lumpy Carmelo (laughs) you know what I'm saying looking like looking like a dude from just around the way you know he's not fat but think of it like this look at look Carmelo's peers. It came in the same draft as LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Look at them. Dwayne Wade is older, LeBron is one year younger. And look at Carmelo. He looked like he got seven years on both of them. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I could definitely blame Carmelo Anthony for that. I could blame Carmelo Anthony for not getting along with Tyson Chandler. Pretty much forcing Tyson Chandler out of New York City. Once Tyson left, that's when, the, that's when the, lens, the wins left, too. So, yeah, you know what? And you know what else I could blame Carmelo Anthony for? When we drafted Porzingis, right? Carmelo's on record saying, you know, he didn't, he didn't talk to him and all this other stuff. And then after a while, once it was clear that Porzingis could play, Carmelo was talking about, oh, yeah, you know, he earned my respect. Who the hell are you? What is Carmelo Anthony done talking about you earned my respect? Man, sit your – it's not Angry Man Week this week, but Carmelo, sit your ass down. Oh, I can't stand that Bama. And now you hear all these people talking about Oklahoma City and how they're going to give Golden State, they can push Golden State, and how they're the second-best team in the West. Understand this. Understand this quite clear. Oklahoma City, they're not going to do anything this year. I, oh cold takes exposed if i'm wrong i'll Ecrow. everybody in dc knows that about bradley bill they still talk to me about bradley bill so when i'm wrong i'll admit it but oklahoma city this year i can't see them getting out the second round I, if that you know people think oklahoma city's better than houston man i don't see it if oklahoma city has to run into you know san antonio good luck you got three guys who need the ball None of them finish at the room very well. None of them are great three-point shooters. You know, Melo probably could be. But Melo has gotten significantly worse over the last three years. Are we supposed to think that it's going to stop? Maybe he'll improve with a lower usage. But, I mean, we saw it on the interview the other day when he was talking about coming off the bench and he laughed at it. I mean, that's really not an absurd thought because he's the third option. Now, luckily, they have Sam Adam, or Steve Adams and Andre Roberson, right? Two low-usage, very good defensive guys to complement three high-usage basketball players. But Russell Westbrook's not going to take less shots for Carmelo Anthony, and Paul George isn't either. So how do you think that's going to work out? <sighs> Thank you for allowing me to vent. But you know what? Carmelo Anthony's tenure in New York, if, if you had to sum it up, it there's no really other way you could say it, but disappointment because when it came to New York, everybody had these high expectations. It was him and Amari Stoudemire. And you know what? I got sucked into it too. I knew deep down that that wasn't going to work. Those guys were too similar and they didn't compliment each other. Right. And unfortunately, Amari was never healthy when Carmelo was. So even though they weren't the best fit, the two most talented players on our team just never really got down together. But when Amari left and when Tyson left, Carmelo was supposed to be the star. He was supposed to be the guy. And you saw what happened to the Knicks once Amari and and Tyson left. The wins left too, despite having Carmelo. So, you know, he's talented. He's a Hall of Famer, you know, and he, he somehow... Somehow, Phil Jackson turned Carmelo Anthony into a sympathetic figure the last season. But I'd be lying to you if I wasn't, if I wasn't honest with you and telling you how, how happy I am that Carmelo Anthony, that I don't have to watch Carmelo Anthony take shots away from Christoph Porzingis and Willie Hernan Gomez. I can't tell you how happy I am because of that. And we're gonna be, we're gonna be pretty bad this year, don't get me wrong. The Knicks are gonna be really, really bad. But at least... We can move forward, and we don't have to have Melo and his lumpy behind taking up 16 seconds of a 24-second shot clock rubbing the basketball every damn time down the court. All right, y'all. I had to get that off my chest. Like I said, man, Melo is good and bad, but goddamn, man, I'm so good that you're gone. You know what I'm saying? If you're a Knicks fan and you're upset that Carmelo Anthony was traded, you know what I'm saying? You know, give me a few moments. You know, I was I was about to transition to the fourth quarter, but nah, man. You know, I got a few more things I got to get off my chest. Cause this is real. This means a lot to me. I'm seeing it on television all the day, ever since every day since the trade. What were the Knicks doing? Where did they get back? Like, let's be honest, Carmelo Anthony. He's talented, and again, I say this all the time when it comes to the NBA. People mistake talent for produ- productivity. Carmelo Anthony is a talented player, but he's not a good, productive player. He's old. He's past his prime, right? His, his skills are eroding at every at every waking moment. So you know what? Of course we're not going to get... Look at what the Bulls got for Jimmy Butler. I'd argue that his Cancer is better than an injured, you know, Levine or Chris Dunn during his second year who didn't do a thing last year. Right? Like, Ennis Cantor is a good basketball player. He's he's limited. He doesn't play defense. But we well, are we supposed to act like Carmelo Anthony's now Kawhi Leonard? Of course not. So, the whole idea that somehow the Knicks made a bad trade in this ordeal is crazy. Carmelo Anthony, I've never seen a player who has been at first supremely overrated, then get completely underrated. And the moment he leaves New York, he's back to being overrated again. You know what I mean? Like the guy has no lift on his jump shot anymore. Doesn't hit the glass like he used to. Can't get up and down the floor. Russell Westbrook is a missile. Paul George gets up and down the floor as well. So but they're, not, they're obviously not going to run with Melo. So you see all these people just taking shots at the Knicks. And look, I'll be the first to tell you, the Knicks don't deserve any sympathy. They don't deserve any defense. You know, because most, most times when you're being critical of the Knicks, they deserved it. But right here, the would I have loved a first-round pick? Yes. Would I have loved Andre Roberson? Yes. But why would anybody give up good things to get Carmelo Anthony? He's not a good player anymore. Maybe, maybe he'll find a role in Oklahoma City. And find a nice, you know, nice little space for him to be productive again. But that would be as a third option. A third option. And a limited one at that because we know he's not going to defend. <sighs> Man, I yo, I could do a whole show on Carmelo Anthony, and the Knicks. <laughs> you know what I mean? I told myself this was going to be a 10 minute quarter. Here I am. I am 15 minutes. So you know what? I know y'all don't want to hear any more about this. If you want if you do, however, want to see or hear more about my feelings about Carmelo Anthony, make sure you follow the show or on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. I definitely go on that, um, that Twitter handle and discuss all types of sports and pop culture things, so you definitely want to check me out there. But we're not done with basketball yet because with our last topic, we're going to go big picture because... Of all the things that happened this week, one thing and one thing in particular stood out to me more than anything else. That's our last topic this week. As we said at the top of the show, this was a wild week in the world of sports. We had the president of the United States calling on owners in the private sector to fire players, (laughs) fire employees rather, for, you know, demonstrating and using their First Amendment rights, their constitutional rights. We had league-wide protest not for the reasons that these particular protests began kneeling. They had a, as a response to the president, of all people, effectively killing off the, quote-unquote, stick-to-sports narrative. We had owners, owners who had decided not to hire Colin Kaepernick partake in the same protest that Colin Kaepernick started, right? Without even thinking twice at how ridiculous that seemed. But to me, the biggest thing that happened this past week was, and I've always known this, I've always known this, but it was never more clear over the past seven days just how different the NBA is to the NFL. And what do I mean by that? we had the president of the United States call members of the NFL who took these sons of bitches, right? That's the president of the United States, the highest office in the land. However, during like that kind of rant or that weekend, that three day long period, the president <laughs> pulled an invitation to the golden state warriors, right? It's, it's, It's a tradition now, right? A team wins a championship, a professional team wins a championship, even a college team. They get an invitation to the White House. The Warriors, they went three years ago um, when President Obama was in office. President Trump obviously is in office now. And the Warriors, they took their time when it came to deciding whether or not they would go to the White House this year. It was quite clear that they weren't going to go, that they weren't interested several of their key players, Steph Curry in particular made it perfectly clear. He did not want to go. So before the Warriors make an official statement saying that they would not go to the white house, the president pulls the invitation and that, that one seemingly, you know, petty move, petty gesture set off a firestorm, a firestorm of activity from the NBA. LeBron James called Trump a bum. Uh, you had Steph Curry respond. You had see, you had so many NBA personalities, figures, coaches, players, the whole nine, directly go at our president, president. You know what I mean? The highest office in the land, and went at him with no. I mean, with that went at him with ferocity. And so think about that, right? The president. Calls NFL players sons of bitches, and most of the NFL, they link arms, talking about unity. The president just pulls an invitation to Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, and all—I mean, almost every single significant player of the league went at the president, and that just got me thinking. I was like, man, how different are these two leagues? And they're different when in reality the league should be very similar think about it when you grew up and you play basketball you play football too right you know what i mean like i didn't play football in, in in school in high school but all the guys who did play football i was cool with half half of them i lived around you know what i mean and many of the guys who played football was on the basketball team too you know, yeah, there's some sports that overlap. A lot of guys who play football was on the wrestling team. You know what I mean? Or some guys who play basketball ran track or played baseball. But by and large, think about it. The guys who play football, they play basketball too. Or they were super cool with the guys. Think about it. Think of the pro professional football players. Michael Vick played basketball. Randy Moss, Jason Williams. Hell, Matt Hasselback. They had something on Monday Night Football about him. Tara Owens, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, the whole... The, the sports are so similar in terms of the love and the passion of the game. But it's not... It just doesn't end there. Think about it. Look at the... Look at women coaching in the major sports. Basketball, they were trailblazers at that. You know, they've got multiple women in high ranking official places when it comes to their league. Hell the president of the players association is a woman. The NBA has women officials. The NBA has been a trailblazer at that. And despite the fact that football, they've got their own stuff when it comes to respecting and honoring women, you know what? They've got women, they've got women head coach or they've got women in coaching staffs, right? They had a woman official for a few games. She, I don't even know if she's still, uh, a regular season official but she was official in the preseason. Now, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I'm not certain that any other major sports league in America has women officials or women coaches. But the NBA and the NFL do, right? So you see the similarities. But for whatever reason, for whatever reason, there's something that breaks off. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what happens. You know what I mean? You play when you're a kid, you you go to the blacktop, or you go to a a, a a park where there's a lot of grass, or maybe it's a colon sack and you play football. Everybody does that, right? Those two sports, I mean, same with baseball, but I would say by and large, a, a large chunk of the population is basketball and football growing up, you know? But for, for whatever reason, there's, some, there's a fork in the road that happens. And there's a shift. There's a, a stark shift. There's a stark difference between the two leagues and i don't know why i don't know what it is now some of the some of the the reasons that are are, you know regularly given for the differences they always come out like okay well basketball players they have guaranteed contracts football players don't so because basketball players are they're more sure of their future they're they're allowed to be more vocal and express themselves but That can't be it. And I'll give you a few examples as to why Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Those guys, they're not worried about their next contract. They're not worried about being cut. Nobody in their right mind is going to cut Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. So it's not like they're worried about missing a check, getting cut. Their job security is just as as strong as any NBA players. You know, you know, Like, who's going to cut Aaron Rodgers? The Packers aren't going to do that. They're not dumb. So that can't be it. But even if that's not a good enough reason for you, if if you just say it's the guaranteed contracts, well, then how is it that baseball and basketball are completely different? In fact, I'd argue that baseball and football are closer than baseball and basketball, despite the fact that baseball has guaranteed contracts. Right, so it can't just be the contracts. Hell, you had Adam Jones and I forget the guy, the player from, from Tampa Bay. He recently said that, you know what, he wants to protest, but he doesn't feel comfortable doing it. He's got a guaranteed contract, but he doesn't feel comfortable with the atmosphere, of the protest. You will never hear that in the NBA. So it can't be, okay, well, one league has a guaranteed contract and the other doesn't. And he, And think about this. You know who always has guaranteed contracts? Coaches. And I don't think there's been anybody more critical to to Trump than Greg Popovich. Not LeBron, not Kevin Durant, not Steph Curry, Greg Popovich. And you know what? His money is guaranteed, just like every other NFL head coach. NFL coach signs a contract. You got to own up to it unless he quits. You still got to pay him but you haven't heard a single uh, uh, a peep from an NFL head coach in regards to criticizing the Trump and definitely not to the level that Greg Popovich does. And it's not just Pop. Maybe you think like, okay, well, you know what, Greg Popovich, he's got five championships. He's, he's comfortable in his, his place with the San Antonio Spurs. Well, you know who else has been very critical of Donald Trump? Stan Van Gundy. He's, he's the head coach and the president of basketball operations for the Detroit Pistons. Stan Van Gunny likely loses his job at the end of this season. And he still goes at, after the president. And remember, Michigan went to Trump this year or this past election. So it's not, it can't be about the guaranteed contracts. It can't be about job security. Stan Van is about to lo- probably lose his job. But he still is critical. So what is it, right? Oftentimes people say, well, it's, it's, maybe it's race, right? And it can't be that either. The NFL is 70% black. What, the NBA is probably 80-something? Both leagues, overwhelmingly African-American. So that can't be, that can't be the reason. You know, the NBA has, what well, I want to say two minority owners, only one African American, the NFL has one minority owner. So it's not like the NBA is, you know, they're setting the trend on, you know, racial diversity when it comes to the ownership group. So what is it? I'm not asking this rhetorically either. Like this is a legitimate question that I've been asking myself. And I haven't asked myself this as much as I have this past week because it was on full display two of the biggest LeBron James is without question when it comes to North American sports, the most famous player in this country. And he called the president, a bum. Steph Curry went at the president, Greg Popovich ran at Trump, Stan Van Gundy went at Trump. You've seen Andre Eagle. I mean, just the players go on and on and on. And, and, and it's like, they don't care. Nor should they. They're just as American as we, you and I are, they can voice their displeasure with anyone. But when it comes to the fo- to the NFL, everybody's mum. they're locking arms. They're showing unity. You would have thought that Trump called Steph Curry a son of a bitch, not NFL players. By the way, the reaction the NBA players came at the president. You know what I mean? So what is it? Why is that? The cultures of the two leagues are so different, despite having such similarities. It's amazing to me, and I honestly do not know. And another thing that has got me thinking, and this will be the last topic of the fourth quarter. You know, there's a, and we talked about it a little bit in the first quarter. How you know, there there are people who are trying to to take ownership of the declining rankings of football, where. I believe that there's a lot of reasons why the NFL is having a ratings drop, right? There are people who are upset that players kneeling, but there are also people upset that the owners haven't hired Colin Kaepernick, right? So no one side can claim victory over that because both sides of the spectrum are turning off the, 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 the NFL because they're upset and they don't agree on anything. And that doesn't factor in CTE, like I talked to uh, with Brad Jackson. And that doesn't factor in domestic violence, which we've all forgotten about. But the people who want to say that the sole reason or the main reason why the NFL ratings are dropping is because these player protests and people are getting upset at players voicing their displeasure and taking knees. Well, then what will they say When the NBA or if the NBA's ratings continue to grow. Right? Because it's clear the NBA, they pull no punches. They go full out and let you know regularly how upset they are. But the NBA's ratings have gone up over the years. So what's the excuse? You know what I mean? How do those people who feel like the reason people are turning off the NFL are because they're upset at players? speaking out, the stick to sports crowd, right? How how do they wrestle with that? All these things go through my mind this past week, and it fascinates me. Fascinates me, especially seeing two sports, two sports that I know if you're listening, if you're listening to my voice right now, whether you like the NFL or the product now, I know you love football and you probably like basketball too if you listen to my show because I talk about basketball every episode two sports that are so similar they're linked in so many different ways can be so different at its core why is that I honestly do not know I love to hear your ideas if you think you know if you do hit me up on email, email the show at quarterly at gmail.com again, quarterly at gmail.com or tweet at me. We're at quarterly Q U A R T E R L E E show. Tweet me your ideas or reasons why you think the NFL and NBA are so different because I am honestly puzzled. Maybe I'll have an idea next week, but until then, thank you so much for listening. And I'll be back better than ever next week on the quarterly report.